The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you, friend? Welcome to another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. It's good to have you with us. It was just the other day. My wife and I were driving down the road, and we had on Willie's Roadhouse, Willie Nelson Station on Sirius XM Radio. And then I heard the unmistakable voice of Gene Watson. There are some great singers in country music, but I have to say, Gene Watson is one of my all-time favorites. He's had quite a career in music, 50 years and counting. He's still out there performing and recording. Many number ones. He's the favorite singer of many other country singers. Some of his more well-known songs would include Love in the Hot Afternoon, which is a favorite of mine. 14 Carat Mind, and of course, Farewell Party. I had contacted his people, and they said he has just a few minutes before his concert. He was performing in Bremen, Georgia, at the Milltown Music Hall. You can hear a little conversation in the background. We didn't have complete privacy, but I think the interview was a good exchange overall. I hope you all enjoy. It's a great pleasure to be speaking with the one and only Gene Watson. Thank you very much. Thank you for agreeing to do this interview. Yes, sir. I think most stories are best from the beginning. What was life like growing up? I grew up as a country boy out on a rural route, went to a country school. I was raised up poor, didn't have that much. Uh, certainly nothing to be ashamed of as far as being an entertainer by profession was something I never dreamed of. That was never one of my goals in the future. So it's kind of happened all by chance. I, it never was one of my desires to become an entertainer or anything like that. It just happened. I always dreamed of just working on cars. That was as, as a boy growing up. That's all I ever thought about. Tell us about your parents. What what were they like? Well, they were both great influences on me musically wise. All of our music was done in church. We used to sing in church, and and of course my dad played guitar and, and sang my, with my mother, and and I grew up singing with my sisters and brothers. That's all the the music that, that we you know, really were a part of, except for listening to the radio. On the note of radio, can you remember specific songs that were especially an influence on you when you were younger? Amazingly enough, when I was young, that was back when the top ten was on the radio every Sunday, and, and a song that was a hit might stay on there three or four weeks, which is a thing of the past. But uh, I listened heavily to, to Lefty Frizzell, Webb Pierce, Carl Smith, Farron Young, these guys, I grew up on them, Hank Williams, of course, and I pretty much knew what was happening on the radio, even though I wasn't a part of it. I always loved music, and I always figured that I was going to be singing no matter what type of work I did, because I just loved music that much. I was inspired by, and influenced probably by, several country artists back then. What about the first time you recorded? Was it an intimidating process, or did it feel natural? It certainly was. I don't think it was a... I don't think it was out of the ordinary as far as singing because I knew that I knew how to sing, but I never had heard myself. I had no idea what I'd sound like. And it, really, my first record that I made was down in South Texas, and it wasn't that good, you know, but it was it was fun to do. Even then, I never figured that I would be in the music business, you know, for a career. There have been so many singers who have cited you as their favorite singer, from young ones to more classic. Has there ever been one that was the biggest compliment to you? Yeah, probably 
Marty Robbins probably complimented me as good as anybody could because early on in my career, we worked a few shows together, and he was doing an interview with WSM Radio in, in Nashville, and they sent me a copy, and, and I was just not only overwhelmed but embarrassed the way he talked about me, and I didn't know that he thought that much of my singing, but he was telling them at that time that I might very well be the next Hank Williams. I never dreamed that he even listened to me, you know, at that time, much less thought that much of my singing. So Ray Price is a, a great entertainer, and I'm such a fan of his, and he tells me every time we work together, you know, that keep doing what I'm doing. He said, you know, you're the one to carry it on. And, and how, I don't know how he can say that as great as he is, you know, what he's done for country music. But I've had so many compliments, you know, and I respect each and every one of them. I, I don't know if I'm worthy of some of the compliments I've had, but I certainly appreciate it. Is there a song that means the most to you out of the ones you've recorded? I don't think so. I've always had the freedom to pick and choose all my own songs and what I recorded. It seemed like every one of them that I recorded meant something to me or I wouldn't have recorded them. And I know that each one of them couldn't be a hit. And back then, like on the long plays and the little single 45s, when they were shipping A and B sides, I knew all of them couldn't be A sides. But I was bound and determined to make every song that I recorded as close as I could make it to being a hit song. When I decided to go into the music business full time, I made myself a vow. I said, I'm going to give it everything I've got. And then if it don't work, at least I can say I tried. I've never slowed down from that. There's two songs that you've recorded written by Bruce Birch. One is uh, I Catch Myself and the other This Wanting You. Really great songs. They're both great songs. And, and you know, I admire, I admire songwriters that can come up with these quality songs. But there's a little asterisk right there, you know. No matter how good the song is, I've got to sell it to me. I mean, I've got to believe that this is my song. I've turned down some big, big songs from big writers because I didn't think they were the song for me. So I just, I'm thankful for songs like that because that's who I am. One that you, you kind of like rewrote was uh, Pick the Wildwood Flower. <laughs> what was the process of kind of like rewriting the lyrics? Well, it, it kind of happened. It kind of happened just like that in my life story, really. I, I come from a small town and I couldn't wait to get 16 or grow up or 17 and, and go out on my own. So I left the northeast town of Paris and moved to Dallas, the big city of Dallas, and started looking for work there. And Yeah, I mean, I wasn't satisfied with that. So I moved, of course, on to the Houston area. That's the way the song was written. Joe Allen wrote the song, and he used different places geographically and, and a different name. He said Jody, and I changed it to fit me, and so I used my first name, which was Gary. Instead of going to Denver, I went to Houston. So <laughs> I just kind of altered it around strictly in the studio, you know. I, but when I heard the song, I said, I've got to record that. And that's my life story. So that's how that came to be. The legendary George Jones has asked you to sing with him at his last concert. I feel, <laughs> I feel extremely flattered. I've worked with George a lot of shows, a lot of shows. And, and we've always had a lot of fun. I remember one tour we was on. I was opening the show for George, and, and, it, and we were working so many shows, it got where he wanted me to come up in his show and do a gospel song at the end of his show. And then we closed his show with Farewell Party, which was my song, you know. So George and I, I think we have all the admiration in the world for each other. I certainly do for him, and I'm flattered that I was asked to come to his farewell party. We're living in a, a day and age when some of these acts, it's like here today, gone later today. Yeah. You've been around for 50 years. 
and you're still performing. What do you credit the longevity of your career? I think being true to myself, being true to the business and true to the fans out there. I'm still one of those that after each show I sign autographs, I shake hands, I take pictures. I'm one of the ones that when I tell the people out there I love them and they're the reason for me being here, I mean that. Because yeah, I don't care how many times they play a song on, on the radio. If the people don't like it, if they don't go buy it, if they don't come to see your shows, you're dead in the water. So really they deserve all the thanks, you know, for my success and my longevity. I, I appreciate the music itself, me picking the right songs to relate to my fans, but they've kept me out here. You've recorded so many of your songs over again for this album that you did. What was the process of recording those songs over? Was it interesting, exciting? What? Difficult. Difficult. <laughs> you tried to make it as Yeah, as close, close to the original. I went in the studio, and I wanted these songs to be as close to the originals as I could get them. No one liked cover songs because... They'll go by one expected to hear it the way they heard it for the first time, and invariably the artist phrases it different, the tempos change, the chord that they sing it in, the key they sing it in is changed, and, and so it winds up being a stranger, you know, and, and I didn't want that to happen. So when I went to the studio to record this album, I took the originals with me. You know, as, as time goes by, evolves, you change this by working in front of live audiences and, and all that. You change. You, maybe you don't mean to, but you do. You change the song. If it's a lively crowd, you might pick the tempo up. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to do that. So I took the original recordings in the studio with me. And every time there was a thought about the phrasing, the way I said something, whatever, I referred back to the originals. And I tried to get them as close as I could get them to the originals. And we've been told by a lot of people we did a fantastic job. But it was hard. It was hard to do it just like the originals because time passes by and things change. I still do all the songs in the same key. And I try to do them just like the record. In fact, that's one of the best compliments we can have from the fans. We sound like our records. I feel good about it. I think we captured the originals in the recuts. At heart, who is Gene Watson? Just a nice guy, I hope. You know, I'm no better or worse than whoever I'm talking to. I made up my mind years ago that I didn't care nothing about being a superstar, per se, as far as a one-hit wonder. I didn't want to jump out there and have a hit and then be forgotten, you know. I'd rather stay consistent. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to be a top five artist, I mean, let's, let's, let's get some consistency going because that ain't half bad. But fortunately, for a lot of years, I was a one, two, and three consistency and, and that's what it's all about as far as I'm concerned. I listen to people. I talk to them. I understand them. I'm a people person. I can talk to a man five minutes and I know him, you know, and I try to tell his life story in song. I study people. I like people and, you know, as a whole, but uh, I'm just a nice guy. My last question is very open-ended. For anyone who listens to this interview, wherever they are, what would you say to them? Good to see you. How you doing? <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a perfect that's a perfect intro to a conversation. And I've always said a lot of times, I hope I always have time to stop whatever I'm doing and shake a man's hand. I don't want to ever get so busy that I can't take time to stop and shake a man's hand. Well, Mr. Watson, pleasure to talk to you. I hope we get a chance to talk again someday. I hope so. I appreciate right. you taking time. The boop, bop, deep, bop, doodly, keep bop, doodly, shop, bop, ding, daka. Goodbye.